Wisdom knows and understands all things, and she will guide me temperately, sophronos, in my actions. This video, in our series on the Christian life of virtue, is a study of the cardinal virtue of temperance, sophrosune. Perhaps no virtue has more suffered the corrupting effects of time and abuse than temperance. Indeed, temperance has virtually come to signify its opposite. Temperance does not mean the limiting of pleasure, but instead it signifies the right ordering of pleasure so that we may experience the fullness of joy. Pleasure at the service of joy. This takes courage. And thus, St. Paul will affirm, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of sophronismos, of sound-minded moderation. To understand this rich biblical notion of sophrosune, we must return to the sources. In the Acts of the Apostles, Paul, in presenting his case before the Roman procurator Portius Festus, affirms the reality of the resurrection, which leads Festus to shout out, Paul, you are mad! Paul's response is revealing. He states, I am not mad, most excellent Festus. I am speaking words of truth and of sophrosune. As a Greek-speaking Roman soldier, immersed in the Hellenistic Stoic conception of virtue, Porcius Festus would have understood what Paul was wanting to say that he was speaking words of sound-minded moderation. What are the characteristics of this sound-minded moderation? In Luke's Gospel, we learn that when Jesus casts out the demons from the Gerizene demoniac, the people were surprised to see the healed man, quote, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and Sophronunta, which the RSV translates as in his right mind. This man, described as being possessed by an unclean spirit, in fact, by a legion of unclean spirits, wandered naked among the tombs, tormented and uncontrollable. The love of Christ, the love of God in Christ, heals the man. He becomes sophron, of sound mind. Christ gives him the gift of sophrosune, the virtue of sound-minded moderation. The effects of this sophrosune are striking. The former demoniac now respects the temple of his body and becomes fully clothed. And he places himself at the feet of Jesus. He is now at peace and can now listen and learn from Jesus. Sophrosune temperance, therefore, is portrayed as the virtue that serves as the gateway to discipleship with Christ. To begin the life of Christian virtue, Christ must first instill in us 
a sound-minded moderation. To understand this remarkable virtue, it will be helpful to consider it in relation to what we can call the ways of folly. For Aristotle, the man of action can be drawn into folly in two ways, in his role as a soldier or in his role as a leader. In his role as a soldier, as we've seen in previous videos, he can become foolish from excessive fear of physical suffering. Courage is the virtue that protects him from this folly by disposing him to bear and attack physical evils wisely and not be overcome by disordered fear or disordered daring. In his role as a leader, however, as the head of a family or as an elected official or in any other leadership role as a professor, as a priest, he can become foolish from a disordered desire for physical pleasures. For Aristotle, sophrosune, temperance, is the virtue that protects us from this folly by disposing the person of action to desire physical goods wisely and to not be overcome by disordered desire or by disordered enjoyment. Why, however, does pleasure have such power over our judgments and actions? Aristotle affirms in response that this is because as each one is, so does the end appear to him. Moreover, since our character depends on our loves, that is, since how we, who we are depends on our loves, this means that actions appear to us according to our loves. If we love pleasure more than justice, then we will choose pleasure instead of justice. Tragically, unjust pleasure will seem more appropriate to us. It will seem almost natural to us. This explains why the ancients saw temperance to be so closely related to prudence. Temperance and prudence seem to form the binding of the book of virtues, the front and back covers, if you will. The book begins with temperance. It is by passing through this gateway that we learn to act justly and courageously from a deep practical wisdom. It is important at this point, to recognize that the power of bodily pleasure is, a nat is natural and good. It is a creature of God. As Thomas Aquinas explains, good natural actions produce pleasure. Moreover, the primary bodily pleasures are ordered to the bodily flourishing of our animal nature, whether individually, by means of food and drink, or on the level of the species by means of sexual intercourse. Eating, drinking, sexual intercourse are all pleasurable because they are good. Rightly pursued, they promote bodily life and flourishing of the individual and of the species. The key here is the notion of rightly or wisely pursued. It is here that the limitation of Latin temperantia or temperance, as a translation for Greek sophrosune, becomes apparent. By translating sophrosune as temperantia, Latin authors were focusing on only one aspect of this Greek virtue, 
on the aspect of eotaxia, right order. In Latin, temperantia comes from the act of temperate moderation. Aristotle does indeed assert that sophrosune disposes us to moderate our desires for bodily pleasures, leading us to attain the just mean between too much and too little. At the same time, however, Aristotle affirms that in relation to the excellence of virtue, sophrosune is an extreme. It inclines us to act in extreme conformity to the judgment of practical wisdom. This becomes apparent when we see how sophrosune depends upon the individual and his particular situation. For example, the quantity and quality of a breakfast for a ranch hand who is going to spend the day in hard physical labor differs greatly from the breakfast of a sedentary office worker. Thus, the inclinations of sophrosune, of sound-minded moderation, will differ radically in these two people, even if they eat at the same table. This personal context, which is not adequately expressed in the notion of moderation contained or conveyed by the word temperancia, temperance, is one reason why theologians drawing on a renewed reading of the New Testament have begun to focus on another aspect of sophrosune, on the aspect of enkratea, or self-mastery. To understand this, however, it will be helpful to look at the relationship between pleasure and joy. With great sensitivity, Thomas Aquinas recognizes that during the trials and pains of this life, pleasure offers us a great solace in our suffering. He distinguishes, however, between bodily pleasure and spiritual pleasure. This is how he explains it. For since, as the philosopher notes, no one can long endure sadness without the relief of pleasure, one of two things necessarily arises. One either withdraws from what causes sadness, or one turns to other things in which one takes pleasure. Moreover, as the philosopher elsewhere, elsewhere recognizes, those who cannot rejoice in, in spiritual pleasures shift toward bodily pleasures. The proper term for this spiritual pleasure is joy. If we were merely animals, bodily pleasures would be all we would seek. We are, however, spiritual animals, endowed with the spiritual powers of intellect and will, and the knowledge and love proper to them. As such, our pleasures are in the service of our joys. Meals, for example. The pleasure of eating is ordered to the joy of a shared meal. Yes, when necessary, we can separating e eating, the physical act of eating, from meals, and by referring our eating gratefully to God, we can even experience joy in the solitary act of eating. The point, however, is that the human act of eating most fully and most naturally occurs in the social context of a shared meal. There is true spiritual joy in the communal act of eating and drinking with others. The bodily pleasure is somehow the gateway to the joy, the spiritual joy, 
of the communal meal. The spiritual joy, however, although dependent upon the bodily pleasure, is not reducible to bodily pleasure. Moreover, if the bodily pleasure, the pleasure of eating fine food and of drinking fine wine, becomes the primary object, the spiritual joy recedes. Indeed, for the addict, even the bodily pleasure begins to wane as the act of eating and drinking becomes become an enslaving necessity. This same dynamic is present with the pleasures of sex. The pleasures of sex are ordered to the spiritual joy of conjugal union and of spousal friendship. Stated another way, the spiritual joy proper to marital friendship depends on the spouse's ability to pursue the pleasures of sex in a rightly ordered way. It, it was in relation to this truth that theologians began to focus renewed attention on the concept of self-mastery. According to the Stoic account of virtue, sophosune does not merely require rightly ordered action, eutaxia, it also requires self-mastery, enkrateia. Paul, therefore, calling the Galatians away from uh, disordered desires and impurity, affirms that one of the fruits of the Spirit is precisely enkrateia, self-mastery. Second Peter also includes self-mastery among the virtues that begin with faith and are perfected in love. The insight of contemporary theology is that this self-mastery is essential for the complete gift of self that is integral to conjugal love and marital friendship. This is the self-mastery proper to marital chastity. When, therefore, Paul explains to Timothy that bishops should live sophrosune, literally, that bishops should be sophron in their right mind, in the context of a chaste and sober marriage, Thomas Aquinas draws out the general principle, quote, although all moral virtue is concerned primarily with the passions, there are two which make for sanctity namely chastity and sobriety. More generally, however, the sound-minded moderation proper to temperance is what makes Christian friendship possible. It is worthy of note that when the New Testament refers to sophrosuni or to self-mastery, it often does so in relation to two related notions, Philadelphia, brotherly love or friendship among fellow Christians, and philoxenia, often translated as hospitality, but which literally means friendship for strangers. The message is that to build communities of Christian friendship requires the well-ordered love for sense pleasure that only temperance provides. On our own, such well-ordered love is beyond us. We need not despair, however, because the wisdom that makes friends of God is also present to help us to live from the well-ordered desire that is proper to Sophrosune, so that we can proclaim 
with the prophet and with joy that wisdom will guide me temperately, sophronos, in my actions.